Hi, I'm Mr. Kwonga. I'm Ian Wright. And I'm Ryan Hun. And collectively, we are the Stadio Podcast and Wrighty's House on the Ring FC feed. Yes, we are. And we come to you three times a week on the Ring FC feeds. Bringing love. We're bringing love and football. So if you like zooming out and zooming in on football and all the stuff around it, make sure you follow Ring FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. How's that, Rye? I reckon I'll do. Yeah, man. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. My name is Chris Ryan. It is the answer. Sirit Sohi is with me this week as always. Well, not as always. It takes us a lot a lot to get our schedules on the same, same page. But today we're together and today we are talking about Ben Simmons. The question we are trying to answer is how the hell did this Ben Simmons situation go so wrong? Sirit, what's up? How's it going, Chris? It's going okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, tough week for Philadelphia, both uh, in terms of ecological disaster, but also in terms of their NBA team. So shout out to everybody in Philly. Stay dry, stay safe. It's a rough one. But, uh, sir, today we're talking about the Sixers. Today we're talking about the Ben Simmons saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, as people are probably aware, if they're listening to an NBA podcast, this week saw a couple of developments in that story. First, we had some reporting from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Keith Pompey about Simmons... Uh, being so sort of steadfast in his desire to get out of Philadelphia that he was going to refuse to report to training camp. And then there was some additional rumors from Jason Dumas, who's a um, a Bay Area reporter who has some Sixers connections. And he mentioned that, you know, that Clutch, who is Ben Simmons's agency, uh, was also looking to extract Tyrese Maxey, who is sort of a darling of the Philadelphia sports mm-hmm. community and kind of had his uh, coming out party during the NBA playoffs, the rookie p- point guard from Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey, was also a clutch client that apparently he was also being extracted from Philadelphia. That's where the state of affairs were, that the relationship between clutch and, and the Sixers was so bad that he was like, I don't want even, I don't even want Maxey there. Rich Paul was like, I want to get Tyrese Maxey out. And this is apparently backed up by the idea that Tyrese Maxey had been approached by some local businesses or local organizations about doing some sponsored events or some, participating in some events and that they, they had been turned down because it was like, don't get your hopes up about Maxi being a Philadelphia player for too long. That has since been somewhat walked back by Kendrick Perkins. And as I'm saying this, Sirit, as I'm kind of like describing the situation, I'm reminded by a, of a tweet that my buddy DJ Pihowski from the No Laying Up Golf podcast recently set up, sent out about the Bryson DeChambeau situation right now. 
And he he basically sent this tweet that was like, I know this is a serious and touchy subject, but when you really take a step back and look at the Bryson controversy, and particularly when you try to explain it to someone else, it is almost impossible to overstate how stupid this is. And that's how I'm starting to feel about Ben Simmons. <laughs> is that like the more and more deep we get into the he said, he said, tweeting rumors, tweeting meetings, clutch machinations, is that this is starting to really, really, really sound stupid. Am I just, is this just too deep summer brain of me or are we entering the twilight zone? No, no, because yesterday, as we were talking about this, I started thinking about all of the leaks that have come out, first of all. So for, like, let's start with Jason Dumas, who is who is a new player in in the uh, the NBA he's, news he's had system, some Philly right? info before it sounds like he's he's somewhat connected in yeah the yeah somewhere. like yeah. he just he seems like he's up and coming um so before I get into any of this I don't want to say anything like negative about his sourcing by any means but I do think that the way that everyone is trying to guess who is talking to him is really interesting because mm-hmm. like it's almost such an obvious play that it's Rich Paul that I feel like it's kind of not Rich Paul. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, so first of all, like some of the other leaks that have come out, we have we have the, well, you know, Ben doesn't really want to play in, in Toronto or Portland because he just like is such a socialite and he just really wants yeah, to live in LA. Just a California like, boy at heart. Yeah. I don't think anybody who is leaking from, from, uh, from Simmons camp, unless they really don't like Simmons or they really don't like Rich Paul, um, is saying things in those terms. Like, you know how those conversations go is usually just like, you know, get the information. And there's also some sort of like, you know, upsell, like some sort of really good reason for why that is not that he like, you know, used to date Kylie Jenner. Like that just, that's, that's one aspect of it. Um, the other, the, the maxi thing, I don't like that's, uh, who, uh, that's not rich. Like, that's wild. I mean, unless it was one of those things where like one, one place where I think agents get into trouble is like when they start to, um, they start to brag about the things that they shouldn't be doing. Sure. It could have been that, right? Uh, but there's just, there's too much stuff that would look too bad for for Simmons in particular for this to really seem like a Rich Paul or Clutch thing. I almost get the sense that it's either somebody who thinks that like, e- either somebody in Ben's camp who thinks that like Rich has his ear too much, or it's like somebody on the Sixer side of it that has like, you know, been in those meetings and would know that information in terms of like, you know, Simmons hasn't talked to anybody and all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's strange enough that I've gone into conspiracy mode. <laughs> no, you, you sound like you're a character in Knives Out right now. Or you're just like, it, the most obvious person would be this. So it has to be Chris Evans. No, but like, I think that that that's a really good w- place to start, which is that this is a lot of this is just whisper like game of telephone. We haven't had uh, really any official statements from Daryl Morey, uh, from Elton Brand, from Doc Rivers, n- not really since the end of the season. Uh, ben Simmons himself has really only been present in our lives through his lovely Instagram stories where he looks like Reggie Miller uh, in summer workouts, drilling jumpers from all over the court. This is sort of a, a yearly annual um, practice of his where the version of him in Instagram is what everybody wants him to be. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back to the Sixers in the in the fall, it's always just kind of like, well, he's just going to 
I guess he's just going to set up other guys for uh, the next 90 nights that I watch this dude play basketball. Um, so, yeah, like we are kind of really in this nether region where none, none of the major players have made any statements. There have been relatively definitive statements through people like Keith Pompey or through people like Jason Dumas. But then the, some of those things have been walked back and none of those things have been corroborated. And meanwhile, the media industrial complex around all this is going and going and going so that we have now gone through two or three cycles of trade offers that the Sixers have made to different franchises that have been rejected so that in a weird way, the public perception of Ben Simmons's value has been tanked while nothing has happened. Do you know what I mean? There's no, no, nothing is different than it was after game seven against Atlanta in the Eastern conference semifinals. But we are now at a point where Simmons has been like Simmons offers have been rejected by the Blazers and the Kings and the Warriors and the Timberwolves don't want to include D'Angelo Russell in a package for Ben Simmons. If you just read everything now, I don't know whether, whether any of that is true. I don't know whether that's Daryl Morey asking for the moon and then accepting the stars. If he, if he winds up up there, but like, what do you make of, of, of this market and where it's at and how this, the perception of his value Simmons's value has kind of changed over the last couple of weeks. Well, I feel like the the issue really is that it hasn't changed. I think you're right that like, you know, there's been an attempt, like we called it leverage theater, I think uh, before, before we, uh, when we were talking about it and everyone is kind of, there have been so many different leaks that have come out, like, you know, different trades. Um, there's like the, the Simmons hypothetically side of it. We don't really know, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like everyone kind of sees through what's happening. And I get the impulse on, on like the Sixers side to try to juice up his value because ultimately like what they are trying to do is turn 75 cents into a dollar. And that's like, that's, you know, we're talking in superstar terms here. Like we have also throughout all of this, we've kind of lost sight of Ben Simmons being really good, but we can talk about that later. Uh, But they are trying to turn a guy who they're not quite sure like you know is he going to be like the guy that you need in the playoffs into the guy that can definitely be that which is Damian Lillard right Mm -hmm. everybody or Brad Beal which you know doesn't like that that's another thing we'll get to later I guess but um everybody that they could trade for right now that makes sense that the other side would say like yeah that what that's a fair deal for us is somebody where you would kind of have to squint your eyes and say Mm -hmm. oh he can be the guy for us or you'd have to take a bet that he can make the leap like Zach Levine can Zach Levine be Devin Booker like maybe you know like that's he's definitely like you know he's a he's a three-level scorer uh who hasn't really done it on a big stage but that doesn't mean he can't also doesn't mean that he can uh CJ McCollum we have seen in the playoffs just honestly be too small right like that has just been kind of the thing with him um I'm curious what he would look at look like on a team that didn't have that problem running throughout the entire roster Um, but like, you know, with everything and then on the other side with Ben too, like you don't really know what you're getting back with him either. That's another thing that makes this really, really difficult. But ultimately I just don't think that it's really moved the needle in any way because it's the off season. Nothing's happening. Everyone can just see the play and they're just like, oh yeah, this is the play. Like, you know, like Maury is kind of trying to it feels like play with a deck of cards that he doesn't have. And everyone's just like, dude, you don't have yeah, bases well, right I now. Guess the question, <laughs> I guess the question is like, what's clutches? What's Ben Simmons's deck look like? 
right? Like this is this is almost a unique story in the uh, the last couple of years of these major players being traded or major players demanding a trade or major players moving on after a shortened contract because they've negotiated to have maximum leverage, whether mm-hmm. it's like a two plus one or whatever. I, I guess you could say like all unhappy NBA players are unhappy in their own way. Anthony Davis and James Harden both asked out of their situations and got it. Ben Simmons never asked out. I mean, not not necessarily. He didn't ask out after game seven of the Atlanta series. He didn't necessarily come out two weeks later and say, I'm done in Philadelphia. The perception around this was that this was over on the Sixers end of things. That after Joel Embiid came out, and we'll get to Joel in a few minutes, but after Embiid came out and seemed to like, without saying his name, throw Ben under the bus, and after Doc Rivers basically said, I don't know if Ben Simmons can be a point guard on a championship team. Not necessarily, I don't know if Ben Simmons can be a major part of a championship team or can play on a championship team, but he didn't know if he could be a point guard. But after Doc came out and said that, it was understood that this was it for Ben, that that they had gotten to the end of the Joel and Ben Ben experiment and that they would try to move on from him. And as the summer went on and the you know no trade materialized, I think everybody has kind of lost it a little bit where it's like, okay, so we have no idea what this guy's value is anymore, mm-hmm. but you make a really, really good point. I think the thing that I personally, as a Sixers fan, I think a lot of Sixers fans need to grapple with is that they're probably not going to be happy with either what they get back in return mm-hmm. for Ben Simmons or what they additionally have to give up to get what they want in return. So if it's Lillard in this pie-in-the-sky world where you get Damian Lillard, I don't think it's just going to be in Ben Simmons. I think that the Blazers would ask for more of that. And I think it might be Maxi, or it might be Thibel or it might be both. I don't know. On the flip side, I don't think what you're going to get back for Ben Simmons is going to be Ben Simmons who can shoot. And that's something that I think that I've like really been hanging on to is because I actually really like like lots of Ben Simmons's game. I really do. I've liked it for the entire time he's been there. I understand the shooting thing. I went through the playoffs too. But this idea that the person who's coming back and return for Ben Simmons is going to do everything Ben Simmons did plus also score off the dribble is like that's not going to happen. So you have to almost reimagine what the Sixers are in this case. What would your in reality what do you think they can get back right now? Like, what's your what's your favorite return that can also probably happen today? So my my favorite return is like I don't want to I don't really think four number one draft picks A is likely, but B is really matches up with the Embiid window or the Tobias Harris window to the extent that Tobias Harris mm-hmm. is part of this. The Embiid window is now, and I don't think that um, now you could say like getting a bunch of draft picks in would then give Daryl Morey a bunch of stuff to play with to go out and get other people. Mm -hmm. But because of the sheer volume of transactions that have happened over the last, say, 40 months, it's hard to kind of conceptualize who these guys are, right? Like, I think that if they had had a deal for Lillard or if they had a deal for Beal, obviously they would have done it. And those are the two guys that I think Sixers fans and myself have kind of gotten in our head is like the only appropriate return on investment. It's actually unfathomable now to get to to think of the Warriors deal, which was apparently rumored to have been rejected, obviously, by the Warriors, which was uh, Wiseman and Wiggins and the picks that wound up being Kaminga and Moody. Like if I if I said you you now today, the Ben Simmons was going to get traded for Wiseman, Wiggins, Moody and Kaminga, that would be bonkers like it doesn't seem like like the warriors would have would be really crazy to do that right 
they would be and it also wouldn't necessarily be what philly wants either i think that's right. that's the problem with most of these trades like if you told me that was the trade i'd ask you who the third team is yeah and right. i'd also ask you when damian lillard was gonna <laughs> was gonna <laughs> touch down right like that that's the type of package that you can probably that you can probably you know make the make the blazers you know at least you know poke around a little bit and see um but yeah i, I just think i just think that it's hard for them to find a deal with a team like the Warriors, even though I think um, you just, so right now the odds are actually, so the Warriors have actually dropped down to the fourth most likely team to to mm-hmm. get Simmons in a trade. And I think that's a significant drop, isn't it? Because I think they were favorites at one point. Right now it's Blazers two to one, then, then Wolves, which I think makes sense. Um, the Kings are still up there five to one. Uh, they're a team that I frankly haven't paid a lot of attention to in this because like, everyone they won't give up is exactly who you'd have to give up. And I just frankly sure. don't really, I don't get it. Uh, so I've, I've just ignored it. Um, and I've kind of, I kind of felt the same way about the Warriors until I got, got a little bit louder. The Spurs are in there too. Uh, but yeah, like all these, all these teams, like if you want Ben Simmons, you're probably in a strange place in your, in your rebuilding situation. And then, or you're you're a contender and you need to add that extra guy. Like I thought, you know, with the three California teams, um, you know, just RIP sack. The Clippers <laughs> really interesting, but they can't give anything that doesn't also like that that Philly would want that they wouldn't also want to keep because both those teams are trying to win a championship. Mm-hmm. So I think almost anything requires a third uh, third team. Yeah, I mean, it's this is going to get way more complicated before it gets more simple. Like, but before we get to the point where. Mm-hmm it seems like that all the pieces are going to fall. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Part of what's happening right now is as we're about what like uh, pretty much a month out from from training camp opening is this idea of whether or not the Sixers could weather a distraction, quote unquote, which would be Simmons not showing up. One of the things that sort of plays to everybody's advantage probably is that it is deep summer and nobody is sort of uh, required by the league to give any kind of updates about this, that Ben Simmons doesn't have to give any press conferences. Doc Rivers doesn't have to do scrums. Daryl Morey doesn't have to give a State of the Union address. Everybody is allowed to kind of work behind the scenes and reporters can take or leave what they gather as crumbs from these conversations that may or may not be happening. But the perception is, is that like by the end of the month, of September when people start gathering again is that there is going to have to be some sort of at least statement about all this or we'll find out whether or not Simmons is actually showing up to work or not. I think that that might actually be the next time we hear about this because I don't I don't know what really was about the timing here. Let's just say that this was something that the, that Clutch was comfortable with coming out. Was this idea that Simmons was not going to report to camp. 
I don't really know what it does for them now, necessarily. You know what I mean? Do you think that it necessarily like puts a uh, it spurs Maury to do anything before he's ready? I don't think that that's the case. Maybe, maybe. Like I think. Well, let's let's go back to let's go back to the press conference. Sure. Um, I think the reason that it's really hard for them to spin themselves out of you know, having to, having to give up Ben at, at much lower, like this is, I mean, I, you can see why Maury hates this. This is the absolute lowest that Simmons value has been and mm-hmm. honestly probably ever will be, but it's very difficult for them to get out of that because those press conferences from, from Rivers and Embiid were just like those rare moments of NBA honesty Yeah, that once they're out there, it's really, really hard to backtrack from in, in an effective way. Um, you combine that with with just the way that Philly fans are. Um, I can just see why Ben Simmons would be looking at this situation and saying, hell no, I am not sure. Like, I don't want to be back there. I definitely don't want to suit up um, and see what my reception would be like after all of this. Um, and I thought it was in, so let's talk about the Embiid tweet, right? Like that's the, yeah. the Embiid series of tweets. Like any true wrestling fan, Joel comes up off the top rope here. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Of course. Like you said, um, he just, he needs to, he needs to be part of like every Sixers kerfuffle. Um, He basically, you know, he tweeted yesterday, stop using my name to push people's agendas. This was after a suggestion. I think Jeff Zolgit wrote a column actually based on, I think the debunked report um, suggesting that Simmons and Embiid's relationship has gotten worse. Um, So Embiid said, stop using my name to push people's agendas. I love and hate drama. Who? I mean, relatable. Um, I love playing with Ben. Stats don't lie. He's an amazing stats don't lie. It's like the more more uh, throwing out the uh, <laughs> throwing out the starting lineup uh, stats after. I think that was in August. Um, he's an amazing player, and we all didn't get the job done. It's on me personally. I hope everyone is back because I know we're good enough to win. Uh, then the the really interesting one is when he said, you know, to clarify, um, you know. Like we talked about how he, how he got booed and in, in Philly and he had to like kind of just like redeem himself. And he said to clarify, like, that's pretty much all good with me. Like I can handle that. But like, right. you know, not like not everyone can necessarily handle that. Um, so it was like a, it was like a combination of it was like a brag. It was kind of an apology. It was an admission of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have gone that hard at you after you like made like the biggest like mistake of your career. Maybe I shouldn't have like decided that I was going to just highlight that above <laughs> anything else. If you're ever tweeting to clarify, <laughs> it's probably not a good sign. If you ever start a tweet with to be clear, it means that something went wrong in a previous tweet. Yeah, it is like the notes app version apology. I feel like it was kind of the notes app of of the press conference too. The thing I yeah. wonder about that is, is, is it sincere? Like, has Joel just realized, had the Sixers realized that maybe Ben is just not that type of guy, that he's not necessarily going to be motivated by slights? Like, he's clearly, like, I mean, he said himself that he needs to work on himself mentally after that game. Um, and I wonder, honestly, is like, would that layup have been that big of a deal if Embiid didn't point it out? Because... There were three and a half minutes left in the game, and they essentially only lost one point from it. Sure, and I would, I, I as I said at the time, I also wasn't a huge fan of Joel Embiid's ball security in the fourth quarters throughout that, throughout that end of the, uh, 
end of in the, in the Atlanta series. Ben Simmons came out after that game, and this is what he said. He said, offensively, I wasn't there. I didn't do enough for my teammates. There's a lot of things that I need to work on. That was as close as we're going to get. Like, I think that there's like this desire for accountability. John Gonzalez wrote a piece about this uh, on The Ringer today. And it's like this desire that people have for like, I don't know what Ben is supposed to do. Like, you know, obviously, yes, just shoot. But like this idea that he has somehow like scooted out on the responsibility for what happened in the Atlanta series, I think is is wrong. What he could do is if like if he took what he's doing in the practice videos and Instagram and ver- and like immediately just started applying them to his NBA play. And it just was like as soon as the NBA season started, he was taking 10 jumpers a game. I think mm-hmm. everybody in the city of Philadelphia would be rejoicing. But he's probably it based on the past seasons, not gonna do that. Like mm-hmm. I think if anything, those these videos are as much like a like a highlight reel for any other team thinking about picking like picking him up or thinking about trading for him. Joel's role in this is weird. I think that any I think that you just have to accept certain times that there are certain players that are the franchise. And it's like it's different than franchise player. It's like there are certain times when like there are players where everything that happens to the team is going to be somehow a reflection of that player or run through the prism of that player or that player is going to need to comment on or that player is going to see himself as a major character, there's just like, it would have been just as easy for Embiid to be like, this piece is bullshit. No offense to to Jeff, but I didn't, I never said that it has to be me or Ben and I'm not worried about what I didn't, didn't say. And Ben knows it. So why don't we just kind of like keep it moving and, and I'm going to keep enjoying my summer. And he obviously didn't do that. And maybe that was because of the, the sort of whirlwind of rumors that was, was coming out about Ben over this week. And Joel just felt like the need to somehow clarify his role in all of it but like i don't think anybody in philadelphia was really like this is joel's fault that this has gone wrong you know what i mean so does that make you think it was more sincere i think that i think it's important to joel Embiid that he be seen as not that he not be seen as the reason why ben simmons is leaving that he not be seen as the reason why things have gone wrong. And I think that when he made that statement after the game, it was sort of a two-part statement. He was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how to put this, but essentially was like, we passed up an open shot and only made one free throw. That's partly on Ben for missing the shot or passing up on the shot, but it's also on Thibel for missing the free throw. So I think that ultimately, like it was a critique of the end of game play, but it wasn't entirely Ben. I'm sure he was frustrated with Ben. I'm sure everybody on that team was like, Jesus, if Ben would just shoot, a lot of these different things on our team would be unlocked. But for for Joel, I mean, it's just going to be the, this this is just going to be the price we pay. He's mm-hmm. always going to be like, kind of like the name and face on any Sixer story. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily a nefarious thing that he said that or that he necessarily wanted to shift blame. I think oftentimes, like when we want to get through to somebody or we want to motivate them or we just, you know, whatever it is, um, we would u- we use a method that would work best on us. Um, and, you know, it's just being, uh, I guess, I don't know, spotlighted like that. Mm-hmm. Just not necessarily Ben Simmons' love language, you know? It might be yeah. Joel's. I think that's like yeah. probably why he got, got along so well with Jimmy Butler and, and, and Ben Simmons didn't. So, you know, f- from there, I think, you know, there's something that Rivers said, and I think they kind of realized it after, but maybe the damage has just been done. Um, and I don't know. I, from, from here, it's like, 
Does he report to Cab? I'm really curious. And then where do the, where do the Sixers go from there if he decides not to? Like, here's here's okay. So here's something that's interesting. I think Rich Paul and and Daryl Morey kind of need each other in ways that are. I mean general in terms of just how how much like a powerful executive needs a powerful yeah. agent they want and, to maintain that relationship too big now to ignore I exactly think. i think that i would say that if i remember correctly the rockets did not have many if any clutch clients during Maury's time there i don't i don't think well well chris it's funny that you bring that up because i think one of the reasons that they didn't have a, a clutch client there is because uh you know they were they were trying to possibly sign a clutch client in Nerlens Noel, and and they just they couldn't exactly reach Rich Paul, and that it's it's. I would venture to guess that if Rich Paul decided to go like super aggro with this, which is you know this is a reason that I kind of doubt some of the leaks having come from him. Um, I don't know. I just I would I would imagine that it's in the back of Maury's mind that there is going to be a a case against uh, Rich Paul for for his uh, I don't know what, what do you want to call it just not rendering the not not doing everything he could in his client's best interest when it came to Nerlens Noel and uh, how much how much money he's lost I think it's I, I don't remember exactly how much money the suit is for but it's I think it's over fifty million dollars um, it is also a reputational like curse for a guy that we've are, like you know some people are already wondering like hey is he just in it for his uh, for his bigger clients but essentially the story is that like you know. Teams were trying trying to sign uh, Noel. Uh, mm-hmm. Sixers were trying to sign him, and the Rockets were trying to sign him. Um, so you know, there's obviously a lot of a lot of overlap with this situation in terms of the people that are within it. Um, and he just couldn't be reached, and that's why Noel ended up going back to Oklahoma at a time when nobody really understood why he did because he had a really yeah. good like reclamation year. Um, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. When you read the clutch stuff, are you like? And and such and this is the same as CAA and this is the same that Dan Fagan used to do and this is the same like NBA agents over time have always done this. Maybe it's not always as flashy or maybe it's not always as like mm-hmm. in the public eye because of the LeBron Association or because, you know, that, that this person wasn't allegedly dating Adele. But like for the most part, like, do you think that Clutch just performs the same like actions as all NBA agents did it's just being seen in a different way or do you think that there is something different about what clutch does I don't think it's that different I think they're maybe a little bit more aggressive um and I think it's really just that people know who Rich is um that's been an asset for him at times um Mm -hmm. and I also think it's a reason that some people are going to want to like take shots at him too uh, but ultimately, like, we don't really have to make this about the NBA even. This is just agents. Like, agents value their high-level clients way more than they value, um, their, you know, the, the guys that don't necessarily make them as much money, right? Like, that, that's just the name of the game in any industry across time. Like, that's just, like, anybody is motivated by making more money than less, right? <laughs> like, yeah. we're all kind of yeah. going to go towards a higher leverage uh, options there. Uh, now, like, that's... I don't think that's necessarily like a unique thing. And it's also, I mean, just even the fact that he's being sued is such big information is interesting to me. Um, agents, like I I can, I'm not going to say it, but I can think of right now of, of a top agent right now who is like suing one of his former clients in the NBA and mm-hmm. like who is also like a big name and we don't know about it, right? So- right. 
that's it's the publicity of it. Yeah. It's like the public nat- this, the, the forward-facing nature of it that makes it unique. I think it's also this perception that clutch moves as like a, a collective. Mm-hmm. And that like you do one thing against clutch and then it hurts your chances of somehow getting a clutch client down the line. And that's why it was, it was sort of interesting when Zach Levine signed with Clutch. I think there was an implication that this might be like an easy way to get Ben out of Philly and Zach out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That it would be like a Ben, ben Simmons, Zach Levine would be solving all people's yeah. problems for everything. And that Clutch would just sort of make that happen. Clutch is not the general manager of Chicago. And Clutch is not the general manager of the Sixers. Yeah. Like those teams will do what they want for their own reasons. It's not going to be because... Because what? Because like Clutch will make things difficult if they sign a Monty Bates in two years and like give they'll give the Sixers or the Bulls a hard time about it. Like mm-hmm. I don't really know if that's really what's at play here. Yeah. And I also think that there's an element too of like, you know, what people say, like, hey, Clutch just like gets your guys to go to certain places. Like that's that's kind of how it works with agents, I feel like. Um, but it's also how it's always worked. It also depends on the client too. Like any I think anybody who's had an agent has like like most agents are pretty milk toast. Like they're pretty much gonna go with like the thing that like is the least controversial and makes the most money. Um, and I think that among players, there's a perception that I think is probably true that Rich isn't necessarily like that. That he's gonna get a little bit more creative and he's not afraid to like stick his head out. And mm-hmm. you know he he will he will do a little bit more for you because of that. Um, like the Zach Levine situation is I think a perfect example of that where. I think now it's not like he is definitely leaving Chicago, but I also think it's a question whether he'll stay. And just the fact that we don't really have a good gauge on what Levine is going to do mm-hmm. is tremendous for his value. Um, yeah, it's almost the reverse Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I think if you're Chicago, you're, you have to kind of look at this like, oh man, we better come correct now. Right. And I think that's ultimately the goal. Well, it's just a huge gamble because like if you if you decide that somehow if you decide that for whatever reason, Zach Levine is not worth this max deal and that you can build out the rest of your roster by trading Zach Levine, whether it's adding Ben Simmons or whatever it is, and that you're comfortable with Lonzo DeRozan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Vooch, wh- wh- however you want to set up that team, mm-hmm. Pat, Pat Williams, and that Zach Levine is almost like surplus to requirements in that in that sense. Yeah, that's, that's fine. But what happens if Zach Levine does take some sort of like Booker Leap post-Olympics like understands everything about basketball now and knows what it takes to win after getting yelled at by Pop for in an empty gym for three weeks. Like that's a really big that's a really big risk on Chicago's part. You know, it's the same thing. It's a risk on the Sixers part. There is a what like will they ever be able to live with themselves if Ben Simmons starts training 11 footers next year on in somebody Mm -hmm. else's uniform? You know what I mean? Like these these there are certain things that are unknowns there you know like new orleans knew what they were losing with anthony davis mm-hmm. they knew what they were losing you know like mm-hmm. i think the and that Rockets also let them were... get a haul back same with yeah yeah like you know same I mean, Harden, Harden. Harden. like they could have gotten a haul back well i mean <laughs> like the, the rockets would have us believe that we need to wait a decade to evaluate that trade i think that you know i i worry that like you know worry is, is a word but like i i think that probably the sixers return will be more harden-esque or Kawhi-esque than it was anthony davis-esque you know like i think it will be more in the yeah, like you've got a useful player and maybe some some future some assets to work with, rather than here's four young awesome guys. You mm-hmm. know, have fun with that. 
This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Where do you think he's playing by All-Star break next year? Hmm. If you had to I mean, guess. So right now, uh, the odds also have Shanghai Sharks at 20 to 1, which I think is I know, hilarious. I was <laughs> um, well, I don't like I don't think his suggestions necessarily matter. Right. I think for all the reasons that we we've talked about um, to the extent that Maury doesn't have a lot of leverage um, in increasing Ben's value, like Ben doesn't really have a lot of leverage in terms of dictating where he wants to go. I think, you know, mm-hmm. he can try, but I don't think it ultimately really matters. He's un- under contract for too long. Um, man, I would. If they can get to January, I don't know. If they can get to January, mm-hmm. which is like right now feels like the biggest if in the world. But like, you know, we know how some of these things feel in September versus how they end up being. Um, I would say the Blazers. Uh, just because I think it's going to it's going to take some time to like, you know, I think Dame's going to give this a shot. And then it also that totally depends on how things go with the Blazers. Uh, the Blazers are still, right. like, I would say, like, they're the best bet, though, just because if that part doesn't work out, like, CJ is still an option for them. And then after that, I would actually go with the Warriors. Um, the Warriors, I think, probably have, like, the most paths to to get him. Um, right. And the Wolves are interesting in this because the world, Wolves would also kind of be, like, a perfect third team if they would, like, get out of the sweepstakes, you know? Sure. The So each one of those teams, I think... Uh, in their different ways kind of likes what they have going into the season. Like, I think that Neil O'Shea is probably like, I'm not going to trade Damian Lillard because I'm probably yeah. going to get fired. <laughs> you know? So I think he'd probably just as soon go down with the ship and hope Chauncey reimagines that squad, I guess, with Larry Nance and, and, and Norm Powell and CJ and Dame bring back largely the same squad. The Warriors seem delighted with their new, their kids and this, I, this bridge to the future that, Joe Lacob yeah. is building in his uh, starship hovering over our, our, Joe, our Earth. Joe Lacob is like such a and good then, writer, man. Like that's really just that's I that's know. like the <laughs> that's what we learned this summer is that Lacob is one of our great writers. And then with the Wolves, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Anthony Edwards grew yeah. two more inches, and they're like now they're like Ant Edwards is like trying to get to to grow to six six so that he could be as good as Michael Jordan. <laughs> And I just think the Wolves kind of like their team now. You know what I mean? So I can't, they're the ones who were like, we're not trading any of our three core guys for Ben Simmons. It would have to be the bench and picks. So I think that all the, all the, all the obvious traders for markets for Ben Simmons are also going into the season being like, we like who we are. 
just as an exercise, talk yourself okay. into D'Angelo Russell. Uh, oh, I really can't. I really, I really can't. It's not, it's not even that I don't like him as a player. I just think that it would be a real step down. And I think that they, that would be the most obvious, like, here's what you missed out on Ben Simmons, like with the, the premier defense and with the playmaking. I just think that that would be a really, really big step down. I also think that there's some weird, like, towns will not let that happen. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely like, an element of it. I think he's like, this yeah. is my guy. Like, I'm not interested in okay. him getting traded. Here's my case. There were okay. He had that he had that really good season with the Nets. Um, I mean, everyone did. Uh, right. That was like a real Red Bull season, though. That was like yeah. Like those, I, I've seen some. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. of putting it. Like just get, just based on how like everyone else has fared after that. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say stat padding, but I would say that that Kenny Atkinson team was definitely like those guys have all kind of come back down to earth. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um. My case for him is that he is, while he is inefficient as a scorer, it's because he's good at scoring from the places that like you don't necessarily want to score from all the time, but that's useful in the playoffs. Also, if he ever stops, he does this thing where he turns his head every time he's about to take a floater. If he ever just keeps looking at the basket, I just feel like that could solve like all of his issues. It's like the it's like Ben Simmons using his right hand. Um, hopefully for your for your sake, we never actually end up in this scenario. Uh but, I mean, unless they can ride it out, we might. Yeah, I, I'll, be, I'll be really interested to see what the demeanor of Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey is, almost more so than Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons does or doesn't show up, if he shows up and he's like, I'm under contract, I'm here to play, things aren't going well, but I'm not going to sit out. Or if he, sh- if he decides to like get a back injury mm-hmm. before camp so that he doesn't have to report or something, I don't know. But Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, the reason that they were brought in was to bring stability to a team that had been a franchise that had gone through a mm-hmm. lot of upheaval between Colangelo, between the end of the Brett Brown administration, between Elton coming in. This, these were just supposed to be the two steady hands on the franchise. That's why Josh Harris brought yeah. them in. And this is the test of their steadiness. Yeah. Is Ultimately, this will be like a litmus test on how much Daryl and Doc can kind of like manage this situation. That's interesting to think about both of those two in tandem in the situation because they're both um, like this might be more of a psychological quandary than anything else because they're both quite aggressive in their approach. Um, I mean, obviously Maury as, as a trader, but he's also, I mean, you talk to anybody that was in Houston, like he's a very demanding employer and he very much goes mm-hmm. with like the idea of like, let's, let's keep the pressure on at all times um and then with with rivers he's like i mean like the guy just like thrives in in toxic environments so he seems to just kind of create them (laughs) Uh, until he doesn't yeah um and then there's joel who can just he can handle it all like he can handle being like it's it's really interesting that he ended up being like the franchise in philly because he actually is like one of the few superstars that would be able to withstand all that 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 comes with um so I don't know. I feel like when you combine all those three things, like, man, if Ben Simmons is ever going to develop his jump shot, I just don't think it's going to be in this setting. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, sir, mm-hmm. we can wrap it up there. I think that we've 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 explored the far reaches of Jason Dumas' tweets. Do we want to do succession? Do we want to do yeah. succession? Do you want to do succession? Yes. Like, can I can I take over? Uh, my kind of like that's that's kind of been the long play I've been making this entire time. You're Kendall. I am. Yeah, that's, me? that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, did you want to? Do you want to give me some a quick succession take? 
the thing that's interesting about succession is like what we brought up in the in the meeting. Um, and I would love to have your answer to this question. Um, why do we watch succession this week on the answer? <laughs> I think I need a longer, longer podcast to answer that question. Uh, when we had it, we, what Stuart's referring to is that we did a meeting about, about, about like how we were going to cover succession at the ringer. And I, uh, one of the questions was like, Stuart was saying like, why do we watch this show? Uh, I watch it because it's it's funny and it's good and uh, the acting is great and I don't necessarily like look to TV for like characters that affirm my worldview necessarily uh, so it doesn't really bother me that I wouldn't you know save a lot of the people in the show if they were on fire uh, why, why do you watch it um so there's a lot of like innocent responses you can have to this right like, mm-hmm. I think a- Al- Allison said something along the lines of, you know, it's it's a window into just like how these super powerful people operate. Like, and, and, and in that, like, it ends up being a window into our world. I think that's true. And I think that's mm-hmm. maybe like 15% of the reason that I watch it. But I just feel like the Roy siblings are like way more relatable than we ever really give them credit for. (laughs) Um, And I think the show is just like a very interesting project and how far you can stretch empathy. Uh, Because like as much as they like pillory them, they also really go out of their way to like show you why they are the way that they are. Like for you just have like Logan being like just an incredibly emotionally physically abusive father that like withheld his love from his kids and then they that's just like the natural setup for like any sibling sibling uh rivalry right um and everyone like i feel like everyone's kind of got like little elements of each character like sometimes sometimes i'm ken you know yeah like so- sure. sometimes i just like i'm incredibly approval seeking and, and scared yeah. and i just i just want daddy's love and approval and you know daddy just being like the larger universe and you know feel like i'm not getting it and it's ultimately because i'm actually just like too scared right um uh, then there, there's shiv who just gets like ignored as like you know she's smart but like we're not really going to think about shiv like she's like the ultimate middle sibling um and then roman is just like the one that everyone dismisses and everyone's been calling stupid and like just like treating them like shit their entire lives and then he's like got his whole complex because of that so i don't know i think it's i think it's really interesting i think i think they're like if you took the um one thing that i don't know one thing that like white lotus we talked about too um like both those shows are very good at saying like hey this is this is like how awful rich people are but it's also kind of interesting that like the two characters that are like the most relatable like the the manager in white lotus and like cousin Greg also like have these moments where once you give them the tools to be powerful, they <laughs> immediately turn and like, and, and start doing fucked up shit too. Like it just, just, you know, it's just, it's a show about a dysfunctional family and like, just, you know, you yeah. maybe not give dysfunctional families like the, the power and tools that they have, but they're not all that different from like other dysfunctional families. I I will agree with that. I think that there's definitely like for as as fantastical as the wealth is and for as uh maybe sadistic as the put downs are, there's lots of recognizable behavior among the Roy family. Which Roy sibling are you? Well, I'm a, I'm an only child. So I am too. I don't really, That's why I feel yeah. like I relate to all of them. 
<laughs> oh my god! This week on therapy with the answer. Uh, we'll wrap it up. So there. no answer. Sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm holding. I'm holding you to this. Which one are you? Uh oh. Um, I can't. Kendall probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably in terms of like how I relate to the person, mm -hmm. probably Kendall. Not in like a way that I'm like proud of, but like just that sort of like you know really trying to to do the most while also worrying I'm doing the least kind of thing. Yeah. Are you yeah. rooting for him? Uh, I don't really root for anybody. I mean, like, what am I rooting for? For somebody to take over Fox News? Like, I, it's not like, I know it's it's a strange thing to root for. So mm -hmm. I'm not really, like, rooting for anybody. I'm rooting for the show to be good. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I'm I'm rooting for them to accidentally, like, find love somehow. All of Yeah. Them. Yeah. And like, then they can just like give this all up. Like a sincere, mutually, like, fulfilling romantic relationships? Or any type of love. Like, sibling love. Like, anything genuine that is just, like, you know, not conditional. Like, not you know, thinking like, when's the, when's the other shoe going to drop with this? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that that show does, though, is they have those lightning bolt moments of like, maybe these people are actually connecting with one another. And then like, you know, Shiv and Kendall have that hug and like, they don't ever mention it again. Yeah. The rest of the season. So, yeah. I mean, Sh Shiv gave up like the opportunity to potentially take over for the sake of her husband. Like that was right. the most self-sacrificial and like, you know, I guess like something like relationship valuing thing that I have seen in this in this show thus far. So I don't know. Maybe next season it's like it's just like a big love fest. It's a love in. That's yeah. probably that's a that's an interesting like twist they, for the show. They do like the real therapy episode where it's not like <laughs> it's not like the one we got in season one. <laughs> and what happens is like um, they just dissolve Waystar. They just realize right. it's like for what, the are we doing, guys? what are we doing guys? Yeah. This isn't worth it. Maybe that's what that's what Clutch and Daryl should do. Maybe. Group therapy. Yeah, live streamed. Yeah. It would be like our version of the decision. A very, a very like 2021 version of the decision. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think we should suggest that. Maybe they can all make it work out. Maybe Ben Simmons is part of the the championship, uh, the 2022 championship Sixers team. Finals MVP. <laughs> Stranger things have happened this year. Um, all right, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Sierra and I will be back next week. Uh, everybody, uh, enjoy your weekends. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.